I've, I've moved a lot of the, the external uh, triggers or catalysts for a lot of the things that I enjoy inward. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix called Minimalism? Essentially, it's getting rid of all your stuff and living off of the least so you can experience the most. It's such a thought-provoking topic that I interviewed Colin Wright, who was also in that documentary. He is an author, an international speaker, a four-time TED Talker. I don't know what that is. Four-time TED Talk speaker, TED Talker podcaster and a minimalist. And if you haven't heard that chat, please go back and listen to episode 72. It is mind-blowing. But what's even more fascinating is what happens when you live a nomadic lifestyle, moving to a new country every few months and living off of really whatever can fit in a backpack. It sounds so romantic in a way, but then you end up in a global pandemic. So I caught up again with Colin to see what do you do when you can't do anything and you will be surprised. I'm so glad that he agreed to come back on and catch up with us. And it was just fascinating. Now, do you know about anyone who fantasizes also about getting rid of everything? Maybe that's you or has done it. Please share this episode with them. And also, I hope you'll connect with me on the socials and at allisonhair.com. I always love hearing your feedback so I can continue making a better show for you. Here is my boomerang chat with Colin Wright. I'm wondering, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, overall, I'm okay. I'm, by all measures, uh, based on what's happening in the world, I am fantastic, actually. I feel incredibly fortunate. Things have changed substantially, um, and and they should. I mean, I'm not somebody who's sitting around regretting that I can't travel around frantically, because that would be a very bad idea for me and for everybody else right now. Um, but, but yeah, my, my circumstances changed. I changed. That is actually kind of a familiar thing to me though, because that's, that's what I do whenever I end up someplace new. It's a new set of circumstances, a new set of variables to adjust to. So it's not entirely unfamiliar. The specifics are very unfamiliar to me. Um, but, but I, I find myself in a very good place. I'm, I'm in Columbia, Missouri. And I, I basically at the beginning of all of this, I was visiting my parents here at my childhood home in Columbia, Missouri, intending to stay for a Is this your bed that you grew up in? No, this is, so my old room (laughs) is now an office and this is my little sister's old room. And so now I'm sleeping on her old bed. Uh, (laughs) So it's, it's a very strange, interesting dynamic. And basically I, I set up a little pseudo office here for myself intending for it to be a couple of weeks and now like six months later I'm, wow. I'm here and it's still kind of temporary but uh i got myself a little monitor and a little keyboard and uh it's it's been interesting but all things considered again it's great columbia is a, a nice town we're kind of on the outskirts of things so uh, apologies in advance if you hear like lawnmower noises no worries all, all year good. round is lawnmower season here <laughs> it's just the constant buzzing of cicadas and lawnmowers um and and my parents are fantastic so in terms of like plague buddies they i, I could definitely do work plague buddies <laughs> you know what's funny is i was half hoping like what wouldn't it be amazing if 
Colin gets on it and you have completely reversed and become a total hoarder and starting to like <laughs> collect stuff. Tchotchkes you have a corporate yeah. job, you know, <laughs> that would be, that would be incredible. But uh, so now that you, so you're back at your six months in, do you feel, um, and, and you're still writing as I, I can see, you're still producing a lot of uh, thought leadership and it seems to get better and better. Like as I'm listening, just the, you know, like the, the posits of Lululemon and athleisure that I was listening to, I thought <laughs> how interesting, you know? Oh, thank but, you. So where do you go? Like you, you have the ability to kind of be anonymous in the world, wherever you are. And last time I spoke with you, I think you were in Ostia, Italy. And, um, and you could go outside and just kind of be amongst people and be nobody and somebody at the same time and write whenever you want. And now there, uh, the world has changed. So what is, what do you, how, how have you reorganized your life to accommodate your own mental health and your own, what, what brings you joy? I've, I've moved a lot of the, the external uh, triggers or catalysts for a lot of the things that I enjoy inward. Uh, I still definitely. What does that mean? Well, it, there's still a vital importance of relationships and keeping in touch with people and and trying to both ingest and share what I'm learning about things happening around the world with uh, with other people and for other people. And I'm able to do that through some of, some of my publications. I, I have a newsletter basically where people write to me and tell me about what's happening in the world. And I started sharing some of those things after asking for permission to do so with other people. And that, that's something that's helpful for me. And it's something that I've always enjoyed hearing from people around the world, but then being able to, to kind of like filter some of that out and curate it uh, for other people to see that what they're experiencing that's something that's kind of universal right now. A lot of these oh, feelings so are cool. shared and it, and it can help people feel not so alone. So kind of refocusing on some of that, but then also when I say moving inward, a lot of the exploration that I did before, I was going outside external to try to find things that inspired me, that, that caused me to search for some weird little tangential bit of information that I didn't know about before. And now, I mean, I still have tools to do it, but a lot of that comes from internal processing. So it's, it's reading things and then it's thinking about those things as deeply as possible and then trying to find connections between things which is something that I've always done, but now I, I have a whole lot more time and energy to focus on that specific point of the work that I've always done. And, and hence the, the writings and podcasts that go with brain lenses. I realized that a whole lot of my work centers around the way that we see the world and that there was probably a good deal of writing that I could do just on that specific topic of the things that influence the way that we perceive things, the way that we think about things. And as a consequence, I created like a, an essay email system. You subscribe and you receive an essay each week. Eventually, I started to do two essays a week for, for people who contributed five bucks a month to it. And then I turned it into a podcast after a couple of months of that. So there's a lot of little projects that have emerged, but then also the way that I orient my life has changed uh, around a similar approach to things where now instead of going out and going for long walks, I have some like cardio exercises that I do in the driveway. Like you, <laughs> you try to make changes and accommodate what you have. But right. in a lot of cases, the outcomes that we're aiming for 
are the same. And it's just a way of figuring out, one, which outcomes are still relevant, which outcomes do we still want to pursue? But then two, how can we kind of recombine things and take the ingredients that we have and still bake a cake? How can we end up with the same outcomes that we hope to achieve? I'm curious about your writing practice because I read something recently and I think it's it's been out there, but there's a phrase that I don't know what I think until I write it down. Mm. Yeah, and I, I can I see wonder, that. I wonder if that's how you, like for me personally, as somebody who, who blogs and writes every day, um, I wonder if that is how, so as I'm reading your essays, you're very intellectual about how you position things. It's poetic in a lot of ways, but I, um, I hear we, but I don't hear you. I mean, maybe I hear you in the we, and I wonder, I wonder how you organize information. Is it, is it how you reflect back out like a prism of what you hear and what you kind of ingest or how do you come through? Or is that your expression? I think a lot of it, you could express it through the the concept of curation to a lot of, uh, yeah. to a certain degree. Um, curation is something that I spend a lot of time working on and thinking about too, because I, I feel like, especially today, we all have the tools of curation and whether we think about it intentionally or not, we are curating. When you, when you share things on social media, you are choosing what to share and what not to share. And over time, you're creating a library of content that you maybe didn't create. Maybe some of it you did, but most of it you didn't. But then you're creating through curating. And I, I tend to think a, about a lot of what I do through that lens because there is a lot of original thought and a lot of original, well, all original words that go into it more sure. or less. But it's still curating other ideas that are kind of in the ether. And so it's difficult to know exactly where one ends and the other begins. But at the same time, I, I feel like looking at it through that lens of organizing ideas is a lot of where the individual comes through. So, so obviously it comes through in the words and the turns of phrases yeah. that you choose, the, the specific vocabulary that you choose to use, the rhythm and the cadence and everything else. But the, the ideas that you choose to discuss, how you choose to discuss them, how you combine them, and then maybe in, in some cases the conclusions that you come to when you slam those ideas together, um, that is where I see me most frequently in my work anyway. Uh, and especially because a lot of the concepts that I'm discussing, I'm not doing original reporting, I'm analyzing the news. And so other people are doing a lot of the initial creation and I'm right. building like a secondary product on top of that, uh, which I think is useful, but it's also something that it's, it's a lot more difficult to then point at and say, oh, that's Colin, that's Colin, here's where he is. No, uh, no, you, you definitely have your own very specific voice. And I wonder, do you, do you have an outlet to share what you personally are doing, how you're feeling, you know, versus mm. here's the collective? Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in my, my newsletter in particular, the, the email that goes out once, once a week that I mentioned where I share other people's experiences too, yeah. it's in that that I typically share my own personal experiences. I'm going to uh, get I, on that. What's that? <laughs> I'm going to get on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I also, I, I try to keep it relegated to there though, because I, I feel like the other things that I do would not benefit from me putting me at the center of it. These are not mm. things that are meant to be, here's Colin's yeah. story, and also yeah. here's talking about psychology and social science, or here's news analysis. Yeah. It would actually, I think, detract from what I'm trying to do in those other things for me to make it too personal. 
Uh, and so when I talk about we with a lot of these things, I'm talking about everybody but me included. I'm in the we. Yes, All of yes. these things that uh, distort the way that we think part of why they're so fascinating to me is that I can know about all of these things and research about them and write about them and know the names that have been given to them for because of all the research that's been done. And it still happens. All of these things still apply to me. So the, the we is definitely not a all of you and me politely no, yeah. calling it we. <laughs> it's I got that. I think I was I'm just, totally in there. You don't, you don't post pictures of yourself. There are no, there are no like Colin selfies that you're seeing, oh, you know, and yeah, I wondered if I, that was intentional. Yeah, to kind of keep yourself out of that and just have more of the ideas. It's something I did more of. If you go many years ago, I, I definitely posted more of myself in, in a large part because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, e even today when I post a photo, those are the ones that get 10 times more likes than all the other things. Yeah. I, I don't care as much about those types of metrics anymore. Mm. Uh, my metrics for success have changed dramatically in the past five or six years. And and so although sometimes I'll still do it, and although sometimes I, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with posting photos of yourself. Yeah. But for me, it doesn't really serve the purposes, the ends that I'm trying to achieve. And in most cases, the things that I find most interesting have nothing at all to do with me. My, my lifestyle and the way that I do things are kind of tangential to the stuff that I'm actually talking about and caring about. When I share a photo of a cool place I've been, I feel like that photo is not as effective at sharing that space if I'm in it. And so for me, that's what I like to share. Again, nothing wrong with, with sharing no, photos I get of yourself. It. With a lot of people, I think it's very effective and I don't mind photos of other people. But yeah, for, for me, when it comes to, to doing that sort of thing intentionally, my intention doesn't typically revolve around Colin. Colin, that's so evolved. And I'll tell you why, because so I have this podcast, you know, and I have a full-time job and I have this uh, podcast coaching program. And so I'm trying to, there's a push and pull of the social media thing and what gets more and more likes and metrics and whatever are my face, even though, you know, what, call what you will, but it's my face and my stories and they're, they're, um, 2,000 times more um, uh, more engaged than some of the other things. And I, uh, I like having promoting others, you know? I like having that. And so I think it's such an evolved way that that is generally how people measure things, you know? And uh, I, think, I, think it takes a, <laughs> I think it takes a lot of um, strength of inner strength to be able to know what your metrics are and not kind of worry about that noise of what that means, you know? It, it helps to do things like this for a while too, because again, it's, I, I don't necessarily think it's any, it, it's evolved in any direction. I don't think it's better or worse than any other approach. I think there's yeah. perfectly rational and justifiable reasons to, to post nothing but selfie photos. I think that's totally legitimate. Um, but you do anything long enough. I think you do get a clearer sense of which metrics of success actually apply to you and which ones are business decisions. And if you do something for long enough too, where things become more sustainable and stable, then you're able to make more business decisions based on what makes you happy, what doesn't cause you stress, as opposed to what will help you stabilize the business. So it's, it's a somewhat it's still privileged freaking evolve, though. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's still <but> evolved. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fortunate to get to do it and, and to get to make those decisions, I think. Right. So what I've heard too um, is that 
through this pandemic, so many RV sales have gone through the roof. <laughs> People are packing up. They're selling their homes. I know that last weekend I did kind of a clean out and sold a few hundred bucks of stuff. It felt so good to just sell it all and not sell it all, but like sell a bunch of stuff and not, um, not have any attachments to it. And I wonder, as you are in this space, do you have urges? Do you have desires to travel? I know that you're limited and you kind of deal with what you can, but what does it feel like to, I don't want to say that you're stuck at home, but you're kind of stuck <laughs> in, in some ways. Yeah. I wonder what that looks like. It's, it, it is definitely limited. And there is the, the kind of ever-present mental tug where I'm just like, oh, I just, I just want to get, get a ticket. I just want to hop on a train. And yeah. there's, there's obviously the, the limiting functions that are in play where you legitimately can't in a lot of cases. And rightfully, I think U.S. passports have been limited because we, we haven't done a terribly great job at uh, dealing with such things. And I definitely don't want to contribute to the problem of spreading things. So it's, it's prudent to stay in place. Um, that, that said, I mean, travel for me has always been a, a representative means of challenging myself, of exposing myself to new things, of, you know, seeing myself in, in other contexts and how I respond to that and then seeing how I might adjust things so that I can do better in more types of contexts. And that's something you really can do from anywhere. And, and that's, it's something that I try to tell people, even when I'm actively traveling, like, if you can't afford to travel, don't spend your last dime on travel. There are other yeah. things that you can do in your own hometown to accomplish many of those same things that you want to accomplish. And so for me, it's been a whole lot of that. Some of those things, even those you can't really do super well because going to a museum in your own hometown, eh, chances are that's probably closed or it won't be the same experience. But, but even you know, internal exploration, thinking deeply about things, introducing new habits, trying new workout routines, learning how to cook, learning how to garden. I mean, it's, it, you, we have the opportunity and to a certain degree the excuse because we're being forced to look at other options than we might otherwise look at, uh, the more challenging, difficult, frictionful options to a certain degree. We have the excuse to become Renaissance men and women who can uh, take up these new things. And it feels like there's, there's even like a limited time in which to do it, which can be helpful psychologically, because then it doesn't feel like forever or that we have to achieve expertise or it's wasted. So for me, it's been a whole lot of that, trying new things, listening to new music, watching films I haven't seen, um, trying out new projects, just experimenting with a, a large number of things, working on all my habits and such and rejiggering them to try to make sure that I find the right combination. Uh, so are you... Um are you receiving, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what your feedback is. So you've got a really strong um, following of people that support you um, in many ways, whether it's financially or otherwise or through your works. And I imagine that you probably get a sense for what their experience is like, um, and especially through the lens of a minimalist or um, not only, it's like a rebirth, right? So all of us are in this um, place where we can design anything we want, anything we want. And, um, and there aren't those same attachments. I wonder what it looks like through your lens of what are you hearing from the people that engage with you? Mm. And, and what, is, what do you, where are we headed? Where are we headed, Colin Wright? <laughs> Let me, I have the all answers. the answers. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I mean, so what I'm hearing, and, and again, I'm 
one of the best things about my job is that I get to hear from people all around the world, which is its own type of travel. It, it has many of the same earmarks of travel for me getting to the, the fact that people take their time to write to me is just this incredibly humbling thing. Um, first and foremost, I think, and this is something that I think a lot of us intellectually know, but we don't know necessarily from experience if, if we don't know somebody in these types of jobs. But this whole experience is a very different thing for folks who are stocking shelves at grocery stores, who are working at uh, ERs, who are basically frontline workers and people who got a lot of celebration, at least here in the US, at the very beginning of all of this and now have been relegated once more to people that we forget about. Yeah, they're, they're, but, it's a slog. Yeah, there are. I mean, so for those of us who are fortunate enough to mostly just be dealing with psychological challenges right now, uh, we are fortunate to do that in a lot of cases because of the people who are physically in a great deal of uh, danger on a daily basis and usually mistreated economically, even as they do that. And so I, I've been hearing from folks like that, and it's just it, it reinforces in my mind that a lot of things need to change in terms of how we who we celebrate in society, the, the maintainers, the people who keep the clockwork of society going, uh, those people are dealing with stresses that I can't even possibly imagine uh, firsthand. So th that's part of it. Part of it, it, too, is that there are a lot of people who have always dealt with maybe low levels of depression or loneliness. I think that's something that a lot of people deal with to various degrees, and we might label it differently. But when those feelings are amplified, then it becomes something that, that in some cases is actually quite dangerous. But uh, even not reaching that point, it's something that can really erode a person's quality of life over time. Uh, and so something that I've been doing, because I've been fortunate never to have any depression or, or anything overt like that, but I felt quite down too. And I'm, a, I'm one of the happiest, most satisfied with life people that I know. And it's been difficult at times psychologically. And so I've been a lot more uh, ardent about making sure that I maintain relationships and just staying in touch with people. I have people, typically I don't text or do phone calls or anything on a regular basis. It kind of distracts me from my flow that I get into when I'm working. I, I have people that I'm texting and leaving voice messages and just trying to stay in touch because that kind of contact actually is quite fueling, even for somebody who's relatively introverted like me. Um, a lot of people from all around the world are telling me different or expressing different versions of that same type of shift where they're starting to feel almost like a seasonal affective disorder type of effect where it's like really small and insidious, but because it's being amplified with time and with just all of the horribleness that we're hearing about and, and that we should be keeping up with because it's stuff that we should know about. But because of the news combined with that ever-present danger and the fact that everything's changed very suddenly and there's so many uncertainties, that is just fuel on the flames, even if the previous flames were a little tiny spark. And that is something that people all around the world are having to pay increased attention to. Do you want to hear something crazy? So I was speaking with somebody, uh, she's a friend of mine who is a gestalt therapist. And I asked her, I was like, what is it like? Are people just losing their minds? And she goes, you know, the people that deal with depression and anxiety, um, they're, they're fine. They're like, welcome to my world. This is kind of like normal. But the people that don't are the ones really, really mm. struggling. And I fall in that, you know, like where I'll have kind of 
um, not extreme highs and lows, but I'll, I'll feel it. Like I'll feel jerked uh, in and out of emotions where normally I'm pretty uh, even and uh, also don't really suffer from de- depression and anxiety that I know of unless, you know, I, uh, <laughs> unless I'm in denial. But um, uh, I, I just think it, it is interesting to hear that, you know, that, that people who generally don't feel that are really experiencing it and feeling it. I feel like it's like, um, you know, when you step on a plank, you know, you see in a cartoon and it just hits you in the face. <laughs> that's a good way. Yeah. It's a good visualization for it. I that's think, kind of the image. Of yeah. That's kind of the image that I, uh, I think about. And I, I wonder, you know, like when you're, you're in this spot that you, you know, ha, ha, will you go travel? Will you go travel around the U S or, you know, what, what is next for you? What is kind of itching for you? Yeah. I mean, at some point, <laughs> I don't know when, um, I, I mean, it's, it's difficult in a way. So part of how I make my living is giving talks and sometimes that's being on tour. Sometimes that's conferences. And so that is a significant chunk of, of how I make my living. That's completely dried up for the time mm-hmm. being. And, and that's okay. Again, I think it's, vital that we don't make this worse and that we, we, we do the smart thing for the time being, even if it sucks economically or psychologically or whatever else. Um, but that, that's, that's an influence and it's something that I would like to do again at some point in the future, um, economically, but also because it's something that I enjoy. Travel's kind of the same way where, you know, at some point, almost certainly, but there's a lot of variables that will influence if and when I do and what it looks like when I do. So for the time being, I'm focusing on other things. I've got some some other goals that I've had for a long time that I thought, hey, this would be interesting. Let's try that. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at, at buying. I've been saving my pennies over the years. And so I'm looking at buying a cheap home and fixing it up. Uh, to have that as like a home base from which then to travel oh, in fun. the future. And it's something I was meaning to Will do sometimes. Will it be sometime. in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the Midwest, in the Midwest of the U.S. I I wanted to do like a a small college town. I've, I've got a couple of places I'm looking. I've 95% sure that I found a place in in Illinois that I might do. So I've been the, the only travel that I've done over the past six months has been two quick road trips to this place uh, under very, very careful circumstances to look at, at homes. It's, it's definitely stuff that need a lot of fixing up in the price range that I'm shopping at, but uh, (laughs) that's part of the adventure too. Just like when I uh, had the RV back in the day and and bought an old vintage one, part of the experience is that I want to learn all of the skills required to have such a place and to fix it up. But then also then I've never had a, a home that I've owned that I have as a home base. I want to make sure that I still want to get out into the world and travel. But I also like the idea of challenging myself to do that under circumstances where I have a more uh, an interest um, financial and lifestyle wise in a particular location as I do it. Colin, you have the most interesting life. I'm curious, what, <laughs> what, is, um, what is like the most unexpected um, infusion of joy through this pandemic? Like what has brought you joy that you may not have experienced before? You know, actually, so my, I, I have a, just a wonderful family. My, my parents are fantastic. I, I they must the, be thrilled. This is like probably amazing because you're always traveling around the world. <laughs> they must be so excited to have you home. 
fortunately, yeah, it does seem to be, at least for the time being, it, they seem to be pretty thrilled. And I, I am, I'm fortunate too, because of the way that I live, that in between traveling, I usually come visit my, my folks and, and I have three Probably siblings. pretty low maintenance, I guess. Yeah, all things considered. All things, <laughs> don't take up a lot of space. Um, right. But then I also have three siblings scattered around the U.S., and they're all really great, too. And so during this, we've actually come up. It's a bit of a, a semi-regular tradition now. Um, usually about once a week, maybe once every other week, we get together and we play games on the Internet together. And so all of the kids get together, and my parents, and we play like trivia games. There's, It's become very popular during the pandemic. There's a series of games called um, Jackbox Games, and mm-hmm. it's just really silly, goofy. Oh, you know, we've done that at work. It's fun. <laughs> They're really I mean, funny. And there's They're some, really fun. some where you basically you use your smartphone and then you have uh, somebody on screen has the game going and then you play through your smartphone and some of them you draw pictures and it's like riffs <laughs> on Pictionary and trivia games all with kind of comic twists. So things like that where before I wouldn't have been, I mean, I would have made time for it, but it it wouldn't necessarily have been something that we all would have like looked forward to as a milestone for the week. Now that sort of thing, it's fun. It's fun to connect with my family and it's fun to, to have this thing that we all set aside time for and that we do at a scheduled time, that sort of thing. If you would have told me a year ago that I would be doing that and actually like enjoying it and looking forward to it in this way, I, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but, uh, yeah, it's it's little touch points like that have been quite. Hasbro's nice. been going through the roof, you know, like yeah, all the the gaming, uh, all the game things, even the traditional ones. Puzzles are are uh, exploding. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as to your thoughts of the pandemic. Do you think do you think we'll all be better for it? Oh, I mean, ultimately, almost certainly. Um, but I mean, again, that's I, I always find when I make those sorts of predictions, whether it's about political situations or about pandemics or about something else, um, that it's also, it is kind of a privileged thing to be able to say, because for me, relatively, a lot of these things don't touch me as much as for other people. So ultimately, I do think big picture thinking in the macro, looking at this as like a news analyst person, I think will be better because we've seen the fragility of a lot of our systems. And that's true worldwide. It's, It's particularly true, I would argue, here in the United States, but it's true worldwide to various degrees. We we will do things better, I suspect, uh, on a lot of levels after having experienced this and all the, the devastation from it. Um, th- that, unfortunately, doesn't help people who have lost loved ones or who have lost jobs, whose economic situation has become more precarious. But long term, if we just zoom out and look at the macro, um, I, I do think it will be a better long term. I agree with that. I know. I guess the question is how much collateral damage in the meantime, you know, yeah. can we avoid um, it's, it's really crazy out there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really it, unfortunate. It doesn't even begin to yeah, get there, but it is something too, yeah. that is a combination of variables that would have lined up this way at some point anyway, but then also a whole lot of bad decisions that probably the people who made them at the time could justify them away as not being bad decisions. It's very, very easy to take money away from programs that prevent plagues when there is no plague and there hasn't been for a while. Yeah. So it, there's, there's a lot of understandable things. There's probably a lot of bad decisions made by grifters, but there's also just been a whole a, a confluence of things that, although some people saw them coming, a lot of people can, be, can justify that they didn't. And now, hopefully, we will have a, a better set of priors to work from in the future. 
And we're moving at the speed of light too, for better or for worse. I think in certain areas like telehealth, telemedicine, yeah. uh, there's so many doctors across the world that would have loved to have kind of digitized that and <clears throat> developed that tele telemedicine, but this has forced them to do it so much faster. So I think there are a lot of a lot of incredible things that are going to come of it. And I I wonder through this experience, what do you what have you learned that you wish other people could know? Oh gosh, through this experience, huh? Um, you know what? <laughs> it's a really, really arbitrary. This may not be at all what you were hoping to get, but um, jumping rope is actually a really satisfying and really effective workout. And it's something that I discovered only because I had a relatively small patch of concrete essentially to work out on. And I wanted to get outside every day, despite the fact that I couldn't go anywhere. And so I started, I, I ordered a cheap, like $10 jump rope and started jumping rope and got really into it. And it's great listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, and just going out and jumping rope for a while. Great cardio. It doesn't take much space. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's integrated into my day now as something where I get all of my hard work done in the morning. And then I go out and do cardio, including a whole bunch of jumping rope. And then I come back in and do lunch and then get, get going with the rest of my day. But as a, as a way of breaking things up and of being able to do actually essentially a full body workout in a very small space in using a tool that to me, before I started using it, seemed like a toy, uh, jumping rope. Wonderful. I probably would not have discovered that had this not happened. You know, I obviously don't know what your life is like and don't know you that well, but last time, like you've mentioned working out or doing physical things a bunch of times in our talk today where I don't remember that from the last time. It does sound like this is something that has brought you joy or peace or even just release, you know, like I've, I've, I've become uh, in, in the pandemic, I've become a dance instructor. I've never danced before, you know, so I I get it. Like, I, I think it's brilliant. I think, um, I think movement is what is what we need, especially when we are we need to shelter in place. We need to stay in place, you know. And I think helps. our our movement, uh, I think our movement is what stimulates the creativity. I wonder, do you um, do you write in your head when you are jump roping? I know you I said you listen to podcasts, but when what is your? How do you write? I typically don't write in my head. I when I sit down to write, I, I sit and focus and um, I get in a very focused, let's, let's write now space, usually building up to that. I, I have a lot of input every things. day or is it like, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And, and most days it's, it's something like brain lenses or exile lifestyle, one of my projects. And then on days where I don't have that, I'm writing other things. Uh, even if it's just a journal entry or just responding to emails, it's, it's a practice that I like to have. And just like any practice, do it enough. You can't help but get better at it, even if it's not something where you sit and think, okay, I'm going to become pedantic and learn all of the correct grammar skills and uh, do all of this. You get better with time. And so I, I like to maintain that. But typically leading up to that, most of it is accumulating inputs, so learning about things and hearing other people's thoughts on things. And then thinking about those things and spending a lot of time processing. So in some cases, I'll be, I have a workout that I do at night too. And in a lot of cases, that's my processing workout. And then the one during the day is the input workout where I'm listening to podcasts and audiobooks. But the, the writing process usually doesn't happen then until I sit down. I, I try not to get too set on any way of thinking about things until mm-hmm. 
I've had the chance to kind of uh, take all of those ideas and uh, disentangle them and then retangle them in my way. I couldn't imagine what goes on in your head. <laughs> like, there's such, <laughs> like there's such complex theories and thoughts and really being able to organize information from so many multiple sources and then putting it in the Colin voice and the Colin way, which is very intellectual, you know, um, and through essays, I imagine your head feels heavy sometimes. You oh, know? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's, it's something that I love. I honestly, I, I think I mentioned probably in, in the last interview, even if just tangentially, um, that a whole, a big part of why one of the impetuses of why I set up my life in this way was so that I, if I wanted to, could just sit and read. Like I, I absolutely love and never feel more alive than when I'm able to learn something new and take in information. And whether that's hearing about somebody else's experiences or whether that's like just raw data of some kind and the ability to then take that and share it with other people brings me joy as well. But I also find, uh, and this is something that's been reinforced by tons of research done over the years, that by teaching other people things, it also helps me learn it better. And it forces me to learn things that I otherwise would not have learned because I'm trying to figure out ways to express these complex things to other people in a way that helps them understand without knowing ahead of time why they should care, helps them understand here's something that's interesting that you might want to pay attention to. So the entire process beginning to end for me is just this utter joy. And I feel so incredibly fortunate to be able to do it, even when I'm struggling with a topic that it's hard for me to lock down. That's so good too. I think it's interesting how you organize your life just to challenge yourself. And I wonder if you'll do that in the physical sense too, you know, whether it is jump roping or uh, running long distance or whatever it is, you know, I wonder if that'll manifest itself. What's next for you, Colin? <laughs> That's uh, the workout thing doing over the years. It's been different challenges. I do distance running for a while and uh, I've had different versions of exercises. One that was more yoga heavy for a long time. I, I still do a lot of stretches. It's, it's definitely more at the forefront of my mind now because it helps me divide up my day more consciously. And that physical movement definitely helps you. It, it, it brings about a lot of positive, positive chemical processes yes. in one's body and brain. Um, next steps, I'm, I'm sure I'll continue to do more of that and, and riff on all of my different habits and routines. Um, hopefully sometime in the near future, I will find an, an inexpensive place somewhere in the Midwest that I can buy and start hacking away at and, uh, no doubt making tons of new and interesting mistakes as I learn how to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to that because it seems like a new adventure and it's something I haven't tried before. And then I'm just uh, keeping my fingers crossed, hoping that uh, things improve on other levels and return to almost certainly not normal as we knew it before, but some semblance of more comfortable, stable normal for more people. Uh, that'll be good for absolutely everybody, but just for peace of mind too. One of the big stressors for me with this has been just worrying about people who are in circumstances that make mm -hmm. them especially vulnerable to this. Yeah, people are trying to find their footing any in any in any walk of life of what what does it mean, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like the moving uh escalators in the um in the airport, you know? Like you just can't stop. You just have to figure out how to go. Yeah. Yeah, so Colin, you are amazing. I can't uh I love how evolved you are and the way your brain thinks. Um how can people find you? You're too kind. Thank you. Um so Exile Lifestyle is my blog, exilelifestyle.com. Um, Colin.io 
is a website that I'm working on redoing right now, but that's kind of where I, I have all of my projects listed. But you can also just email me at, at Colin at XLLifestyle.com or with Twitter and Instagram are at Colin is my name. You know, it'll be fun. Uh, the moment that you can get off of an airplane safely into a new country, a uh, place that you've wanted to go and, uh, and you're safe. I'm looking forward to that for, for an abundance of reasons. One of the ones lower down on the list is my ability to do it, but I'm looking forward to everybody being able yes. to do that. Yeah. I was looking at your pictures on Instagram of you post, you know, amazing places that you've been. And I almost forget, like it takes me, you know, a second, like, wow, what would it be like to be on a European, um, <laughs> you know, at a cafe somewhere? It'd be so nice. Just so, going to a cafe anywhere right now seems like such a distant <laughs> dream. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I we just, will I, get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, we'll, I think a lot of good things are happening right now. I think a lot of good changes. I mean, we, it, 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 uh, it's ugly in a lot of places, but I think the beauty will prevail. And I thank you for your contribution and continuing to put uh, how you show up in the world. It, uh, it, it's meaningful and it's important and it really makes an impact. So I thank you, Colin. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Well, be well, be well. Go do yeah, some but... jump roping. <laughs> thank you. You too. <laughs> and anybody who wants to definitely go out and buy a $10 jump rope. Man, I am so grateful to Colin Wright for coming back on the Culture Changers podcast and letting us in on his life today. He is endlessly fascinating, and I love following his journey. I've linked everything in the show notes for him, and I hope you connect with him as well. Hey, are you enjoying these episodes? I hope you'll take a screenshot of you listening and tag me on the socials. I want to know what's hitting home for you, and I'll always repost your response to my audience. I hope you'll join my newsletter at allisonhair.com, and as always, I am so thankful that you spend your time with me. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.